springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hang.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment. Through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Serving Consciously. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of Serving Consciously in 2017. And so I just want to welcome everyone back from the holiday period of time. I hope everybody enjoyed, and I hope that your 2017 is off to a wonderful start. And thank you so much for taking time today to be here with us and to talk about what we talk about each time and serving consciously, and that is about being of service in the world in whatever way that happens to be for you. So for some of you, it may be very traditional um, part of your professional life, and for others, you may be um, serving people through um, alternative modalities, or you may just have this call within your heart to be of service in the world, both professionally and personally, and contribute to the well-being and um, joy of another person's journey. And the whole point of talking about conscious service is to focus not only on what it is that you're offering and giving, but also what you experience for yourself and that sense of joy and fulfillment that you experience within your own uh, process of being of service in the world. So today we're going to focus on the element of conscious service that I call self-connection. And we're going to talk about um, a, a strategy, a particular strategy today that can deepen our sense of connection to ourselves and our sense of well-being. And that is self-connection through the practice of journaling. And I'm so excited today to introduce you to our guest for this episode of Serving Consciously, um, Linda Monk. Linda is a master of social work, a registered social worker, and a certified professional life coach with a specialty in therapeutic journaling and expressive writing for self-care, burnout prevention, stress reduction, and replenishment for helping, healing, and health professionals. Linda is the co-author of Writing Alone Together, Journaling in a Circle of Women for Creativity, Compassion, and Connection, as well as co-author of the international bestseller, Inspiration for a Woman's Soul, Choosing Happiness. Linda is the creator of Life Source Writing, and I'm really looking forward to learning what that is about and what that means, and the producer of the Creative Wellness Guided Meditation CD. As founder of Creative Wellness, Linda is an experienced workshop course and retreat facilitator for both live events and online programs. She has supported hundreds of individuals to write for increased well-being, self-care, self-discovery, clarity, and success. Linda lives with her family on Salt, Sing- Salt Spring Island, BC, where she tries her very best to write every day. And you can learn more about Linda and her work at creativewellnessworks.com. 
com. And I'll share some other uh, places that you can connect with Linda as well as we uh, go through the hour. But welcome, Linda. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you, Elizabeth. And it's inspiring just to hear those words strung together, consciously serving. So thank you for this creation. Thank you. So I am really excited to be talking about this with you today because I've had my own personal journey with journaling and creative writing and um, that, that form of self-expression and self-connection. And I'm, I'm really feeling like there could be huge benefits here for listeners today to just talk about this process of connecting to ourselves and also for anybody who's maybe not inclined towards expressing themselves that way. So I'd love it if you could maybe start off just by telling us a bit about your journey. I mean, you have the background in social work. You're, you're, you know, creating this process and this uh, practice to share with other people. And I'm just really curious about how your journey unfolded to bring you to where you're at at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, Journaling was always something that was part of my life. When I was a adolescent, I wrote off and on. And then in my early years uh, in my social work education, I would uh, go to the page. And then as life you know, sort of swept along with uh, working full time and being married and doing all that was involved with the beginning of a career, I drifted away from my journaling practice. And... There was my early first 10 years in my social work career was spent doing fairly high stress, high trauma work. I I worked in child welfare Mm -hmm. and children's mental health, did a lot of suicide intervention work, worked as a, a crisis response medical social worker. And I started noticing a pattern that when I would have a particularly traumatic or emotionally charged day, which can be fairly common in that type of work, as many listeners will know, that I would instinctively head to the page. I would, you know, I found myself in the middle of the night when I'd be called out on child abuse cases. I I remember a night sitting in a 24-hour laundromat coffee shop and just going from the experience to this late night shop and writing in my journal and just writing to get it out and get it down and to try to emotionally process what I'd seen and heard and gone through. And I noticed that when I would take this time to write, I felt better. Mm-hmm. It was like something. And, and when I didn't do it, I would notice just the emotional impact of the work accumulate. And when I devoted my master's studies to looking at the area of burnout prevention after I'd been in the field a number of years, I, when I was doing my research, I came across different pieces around reflective practice and, you know, if we take time to process our emotions and think about what we've been through and even write it down. And all of a sudden I had this light bulb moment that this journaling I'd been doing really was a critical part of my self-care and well-being and also my personal and professional growth as a social worker. And when I would do, I went on and, and left my frontline work and started my own business and did a lot of work in the area of self-care and care for caregivers, running courses on things like burnout prevention, compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma. 
I would always include a bit of a section in those courses where I would talk about journaling and reflective practice and give people an experience of that, not to convert them into journal writers, but to uh, make the connection between having a reflective practice, a creative self-expressive practice such as journaling, and how it can in fact help develop our resilience and our capacity to hold the emotions of the work and deal with them in a way that allows us to be healthy, grounded, uh, and, you know, and engaged with the joy and satisfaction of our work. Mm-hmm. And participants, I would get evaluations back in these courses, which I love doing. I still do them to this day in various forms where people would, you know, I'd t- ask a question, what was your favorite part of the workshop? What stood out for you? And so often I would see the piece around journaling people really liking it and engaging with it. And I thought, you know, over the years, I then certified as a life coach and was really just developing as we all do in our years of practice. And I thought, what if I really dug in and made this more the heart of my work in the world and develop workshops specifically around journaling for self-care and journaling to mitigate compassion fatigue. And instead of it being something that kind of comes in the side door (laughs) as a small piece, what if I made it the piece and Mm -hmm. really tried to grow it? So that's, you know, a bit of an, uh, uh, you know, process over time. I've been a social worker now for over 25 years and started those burnout prevention workshops way back in the late 90s. So it's been an evolution over time, both my own writing practice and how it's deepened and how I share it with others. I love that. It, it, I, I very much connect with your, your story and I think a few things that really stuck out for me there and what you were describing was the recognition over time of the connection between who you are personally and what came to you naturally just personally in your life and then how you connected that um, into what you were doing professionally and then how it morphed and emerged, you know, as as the heart of the matter for you really and how you wanted to contribute. And how it interfaced with the growing body of evidence-based practices in our field, in the field of social work, coaching, and, you know, I work with healthcare professionals, the whole area of the healing arts as a tool for well-being, not just for helping professionals, but others as well. And this place where I remember I had a social work professor Ruth Sove, and she always used to say, we only take others as far as we go ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I remember in my early training, we would hear so much about the importance of self-care and self-awareness and our own well-being as helpers. But we weren't really taught, in my experience anyway, in three degrees on the subject, how to do those things. We were taught they're important. But what one needs to do when we're working in the deep end of helping others and often in the presence of traumatic stress, what we need to do for self-care, replenishment, renewal is different than someone working in an occupational sector that does not have 
caring at its occupational core, that does not have trauma exposure at its occupational core. And therefore, we need to, you know, in addition to, of course, living as healthy as we can, you know, healthy diet, good rest, all those things that we well know, we also need processes and practices that help us heal on the emotional and psychological level. A holistic approach where mind, body, heart and spirit are really cared for in meaningful ways that do in fact replenish the self and deepen our self-awareness, not just as something as a one-off, but as an ongoing process that we are committed to as helping professionals for our own well-being, but also it's in service to the quality work we do with our clients. The moment we commit, I believe, to self-care in a way that truly is restorative and everyone, you know, there's no one size fits all for that. What works for one person might not for another. That's why it's good to be exposed to different tools and practices, in this case, journaling, and also what might work at one time in our career or one stage in our life is, you know, different over time. So, you know, how I cared for myself in those early years as a social worker and how I've done that, you know, once becoming a mother and then having aging parents. Uh, my father suffers from Alzheimer's. You know, our caregiving roles often multiply as our lives expand over time. And our self-care needs to reflect that as well. And journaling is such a powerful way to keep that narrative thread alive. It really is a process of using narrative, language, words, storytelling to make sense of our experience, to deepen our relationship with ourselves and others. And as such, it keeps us grounded and tethered and connected and observing this ongoing growth and transformation in our lives and also helps us tune into that thread of growth in our clients' lives as well. Absolutely. I just, I resonate so much with so much of what you said there. Um, just talking about that, um, excuse me, recognition that we learn as we're preparing academically and professionally for this kind of uh, vocation of service to others, we learn about the importance of self-care and personal wellness, but it's almost like it's assumed that everyone has an understanding of how to do that, and it's not as well integrated, I agree, in in our processes to be able to help people create that foundation, you know, and to create the actual practices that will lead them to that sense of well-being and that sense of of self-care, you know. And that to me is so powerful to look at it as that journey of learning and evolution and development that we can start engaging in at the beginning of our, our careers and then continue to refine and evolve through as we, as we, as we evolve, you know, and as our careers evolve. That is so true. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the greatest evidence that we can do better on that front in our early education and over time individually and collectively are really some of the realities around how people in helping and health professions 
there there are greater incidents of things like burnout, people being off work for stress and stress-related illness, mental health challenges, vicarious trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, that often when we look at occupational health and safety, let's say, in these sorts of sectors and others, we quite often are looking at the physical domain of well-being, things like ergonomics in the workplace and, you know, other things, which are very important. But if you look at where some of the overall health challenges might come, proportionately, they're higher in the emotional and psychological health domain for people in our sectors. And therefore, what we teach about self-care has to intersect with that reality so that people really are supported to build their self-care toolkit over time in connection to what works, what actually helps mitigate traumatic stress, what actually helps reduce the risk for burnout as an occupational hazard. And clearly in the research that I did during my studies and in avid reading and research reviews over the course of my career, again and again, the evidence around having reflect a reflective practice and in particular journaling and expressive writing are cited in multiple research studies as having benefit. Again, they're not the only thing, but I think it is helpful to learn about tools like this that are proven in the research and especially something like journaling, which can often be relegated more to the arts-based end of things, and people may not actually know that there's science that supports the efficacy of it, that mm-hmm. people have reduced stress, better immune function, can process difficult emotions. There's all kinds of research studies that show various benefits, and some of these have been done in populations of um, emergency room nurses, uh, you know, people in our types of professions, I say that broadly, people who yes. are consciously serving. And it, I think it's exciting for people to learn that and have a have a look and just how might it benefit them. It's easy to do. Anyone can do it. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It's fun. It's nourishing uh, if you're inclined that way. Uh, you know, if you're interested in writing at all as a tool for personal growth. So for me, it's such an exciting, um, just a wealth of benefit that can come from something that's so enjoyable to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing that really stuck out for me about what you were saying there, as and you said it earlier, too, is the recognition that in this kind of, um, you know, this kind of chosen career path, uh, being of service to others, that one of the core um, aspects of doing that, of being in that role, is emotional. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And I mean, there is that term emotional labor, which, yeah. you know, which is thrown around out there as well. And, you know, so often um, in our preparation and in what we're, you know, we're, we're looking all the time for, you know, for evidence or there's the intellectual construct, the theories, the research, the best practices, and it can pull us away from that emotional element. But that really is the energy that is at the core of doing high quality work with other people. And so there has to be something. I totally agree with what you were saying. There has to be the recognition in the space to work through that process and to honor that it is an emotional energy 
that we bring into the work that we're doing that is required to be there to make it of quality. Absolutely. And that, in fact, that recognition, I believe, is at the heart of how we also enjoy and benefit what some people call vicarious transformation, that by actually really being fully engaged with empathy, for example, and all of that heart-centered emotional connection with other human beings in our deep listening, in our non-judgmental presence, our desire to serve consciously, (laughs) that it is in fact the showing up fully in that emotional space, in that human connected space where true transformation happens with the clients we serve, but also for ourselves as we grow in our careers, that that is, that is the secret sauce in a way I've come to discover, you know, in the years of doing this work, and I'm sure on the path ahead, it will, my understanding of that will deepen as my work continues to deepen. But there is this, how do we lean into compassion, satisfaction, you know, all that, those great feelings of reward, the, you know, the opposite of compassion, fatigue, the feelings of meaning and purpose and reward and joy of entering fully this vocation of serving others and it's such a paradox because while we're serving others we are deeply called to care for the self to learn what it means to love the self because that individual journey of self-care and self-love is the foundation in which this loving presence is co-created with another human being. It's not separate from, it's not when I have time, I'll take care of myself or when I'm burnt out and can't do this anymore, I'll pause and refill my cup. But rather, as I fill my cup, I serve the world. They're interconnected intimately. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that is the piece. And it, it just excites me to, you know, the more that I talk with people, like-minded people like you, that that is a growing realization, you know, that it isn't about self-sacrifice. It's not about leaving ourselves at home, disconnecting from, you know, what we feel or what we believe, or like we actually have to fully embody that in order to be able to be present to the needs of other people. And, and that that whole idea of tra- of a transformative experience. Well, I mean, we're with ourselves 24-7, right, from the beginning to the end. And there is the opportunity to witness our own transformation and evolution all the time. And the better we're able to grasp that, the more we're able to hold that vision with other people as well. I think it's just, I love it. I'm clapping over here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think there's a lot of early myths about the role of self-sacrifice and martyrdom as as helpers, and perhaps some of it's in the early roots of respective helping professions. You know, Mm -hmm. the deep-rooted, for example, in the social work profession, the deep-rooted history of volunteerism and helping through the churches, and, you know, it over the years it became a profession, but it's its history was really that, you know, giving of oneself and even the message of sacrificing oneself. And if you look at cultural influence as well, many cultural 
groups and belief systems really and even religions are in part inspired by that whole place of self-sacrifice and they're i think reframing that uh in order to sustain the self and truly do work that is fulfilling we have to maybe have a new way to have conversations about the whole balance and integration of caring for others and caring for the self that one requires the other and both are very important one one isn't more valuable than the other caring for ourselves is a very valuable act it's worthy of commitment and caring for one another as helpers and healers creating communities where we support one another and honor self-care and engage in what I like to call we care, you know, that sense of collective caring and honoring of the work that we do really creates that ripple effect of making a difference. It's those interconnections, um, you know, starting with the self, I really just think of it and, and, you know, taking time to journal, for example, I just, every time I sit down to write, well, I'm doing it for myself. I get this image of like a pebble in the pond. It's like I'm filling my own cup right now. I'm taking the time to know, grow, and care for myself. I'm taking the time to articulate my experiences, my thoughts, my feelings. And as I do that, it's like a pebble drops in the pond and it ripples out. It makes me fresher for that next client. It makes me more grounded as a mother. It makes me more, you know, aware of the choices I want to make in my life, in my work. And that is, well, it's for me. It's never just about me. It's always relational by nature. Yes. Yeah. And and I think what you're talking about there, too, is just honoring, you know, honoring that divine connection that we have with mm-hmm. everything. Right. And mm-hmm. and and I love the idea, too of looking at like, you know, whatever it is that we want to embody, if it's, we're, you know, we're desiring to, to embody and experience compassion. Well, yes, that, you know, how do we share that with other people and how do we bring that into the service we provide to other people? But the reality is, is that we do have the opportunity at all times to embody compassion in our lives for ourselves and regardless of whatever role that we find ourselves in or whatever environment we're in, that that opportunity is always there. And that's one way of learning how to live what it is, these qualities that we want to incorporate, you know, into our lives to include ourselves. Yeah, And maybe that's the hardest inclusion of all. Yeah. And for many helpers, in my experience, it can be almost easier to care for the other. Many of us, we've been doing that since we were young children in many cases. You know, that by nature we are caring and giving and sensitive and emotional and empaths. And there's many characteristics that can describe, you know, like a psychodemographic profile of helpers. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll resonate with some more than others. But that compassionate regard for the self is often a muscle that we need to work on and expand and in part maybe the gift of the career paths that we choose if we let it you know allow it to be and um, I, I often work with helpers who are recovering from burnout and that 
focus on the other was always quite easy, almost expected. And yet the focus on the self can be a bigger piece of work to do. And it often, you know, often reaches a lot of obstacles, people feeling guilty, people feeling like they're being selfish. And the moment our self-care is in that space that we feel guilty, we won't get to it. Whether our self-care includes journaling or any other healthy activity, we won't get to it as often because it'll trigger that emotional feeling that we're doing something wrong and we feel badly about it. And so all of a sudden we've got this psychological sabotage in our midst before we've even had a sip of our green smoothie or written in our (laughs) journal or whatever might be doing Uh, so it's good to pay attention and that's where that self-compassion comes in and and is never a place i think we fully arrive to but always you know it can it's bottomless it's it's how deep we can go with that practice absolutely and i love what you were talking about there that sort of inclination towards giving as being the easier part of you know the reciprocity of a relationship so let's take a quick break here and then we can come back and explore that a little bit more. And um, I'd like to talk to you about some specific journaling activities as well. So we'll take a quick break. I'm Elizabeth Bishop. You're listening to Serving Consciously and we're talking with Linda Monk and we'll be right back after this message. Is part of your life mission to be of service to others? Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Look under Programs and Services for details. Ready for a little inspiration? How about a moment in time to reflect? reframe, and rejuvenate. Join Elizabeth Bishop for Serving Consciously, a new radio show airing on the second and fourth Friday of every month at noon Pacific. Tune in to learn about the conscious service approach and find out how you can integrate who you are with what you do in service to others. Call in and speak directly with experts in the field and find out how they've discovered the joy of serving consciously.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and today we're talking to my guest, Linda Monk, who um, has created a process for deepening self-connection, self-awareness, and well-being through um, creative writing and journaling. And so we've been talking about the benefits of that as, um, you know, as practitioners and being of service to other people. And right before the break, we were talking about the um, what seems to be a familiar experience for people in vocations of service, that it is easier to give to other people. And in some ways, we were talking about some of the historical, you know, underpinnings of the various fields that people might find themselves in as, as helpers, as professional helpers, that sometimes kind of really have perpetuated that, that idea of self-sacrifice, um, you know, giving to others, doing for others, that kind of thing. And maybe, um, not having as well, um, as well a, a tuned capacity to receive. And I think that that, um, you know, and the whole idea of self-sacrifice in there as well as being, you know, um, what we're supposed to be doing as helpers and the guilt or the shame that can come in when we feel like we want to be able to receive or give to ourselves. So I, I thought that was really, really powerful because I think that's a common experience that many people in vocations of service have. And I wonder, I mean, even something like that, I mean, you know, journaling uh, practices can be utilized to help us just explore where we stand with belief systems like that, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. I think journaling is perhaps one of the most powerful tools I've found so far in my life and work for really exploring belief systems, patterns, attitudes, values, things that shape who we are, who we're becoming, how we show up in the world. And you can, one of the ways to do that in journaling, for example, is to integrate questions into your journaling. So many helping professionals know, you know, this was really a key part of my coach training that transformation often happens flowing from the presence of powerful questions. Yes. Those types of questions that really get at what are the heart of our clients' needs. And as such, we can use them to get at the heart of our own needs and mm-hmm. our own beliefs. And so I'll often integrate a question, I call them a journaling prompt, into my journal and into my journaling workshops and you can ask anything at all. So a prompt might be, what do I really want? Where am I holding back? Where are my resistances? How do I feel about receiving receiving support, receiving care from others, receiving from myself? Uh, you know, you can ask anything at all that's relevant to what you'd like to explore and gain self-awareness in. So prompts are a wonderful way in to not only the writing, but into greater self-awareness. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I so believe in that power, you know, the powerful guiding question. And I love the examples that you gave. You know, what I noticed and what I've noticed in my own practice is the questions that start with what and with how, um, you know, becomes, can be so expansive. 
and really helping us to explore whatever it is that the, the focus of the, the question is. I've believed for a long, long time that, you know, when we ask a question, I remember reading this somewhere, but I can't remember exactly where it came from. But when we ask a question, it's like we automatically set our brains on this expedition. Mm-hmm. Like our brain, our brain wants to, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, wants to find the answers or to open to the answers. And I mean, you know, it's not just an intellectual process, but depending on the kind of questions we're asking, we can get into the other ways of knowing as well, you know, from the emotional perspective or spiritually, whatever it might be. But it is absolutely such a powerful practice um, to engage in, both as a journaling prompt or even an inner dialogue, you know. Yeah. Dialogue's another wonderful writing tool, you know, journaling tool. You can dialogue with different parts of yourself. So for example, I have some clients who are dealing with chronic pain. And let's say one woman, for example, has a frozen shoulder. So I've had her write a, a dialogue with that part of herself. If your frozen shoulder could speak, what would it say? And go back and forth. You can dialogue with uh, people, even people, for example, who maybe have already left this realm and have passed away, you know, writing a letter. Maybe you didn't have a chance to say something you wanted to say or there's unfinished business or there's multiple, multiple applications of dialogue writing in our journals that can be used to great, great effect. And the... uh, other part about journaling is you know people have different experiences with it some people think of journaling as like a diary writing down today i did this and then i did that and like a log of activities and the type of journaling practice that i'm speaking about here is more of a writing to dis- express thoughts and feelings versus that doesn't mean we don't also know activities and events and so forth but it's really meant as a personal growth tool and as a self-care tool and so uh, it's not just about the details it's about the underbelly of our lives how we're feeling what what's going on uh, what are we noticing how are we becoming different I always through the whole world of therapeutic journaling has two key pieces and one is to increase our uh, you know right to increase our awareness and then to uh, really look at with that greater understanding what actions do we want to take there's a wonderful definition by Kate uh, Thompson and uh, I just pulled it up here she wrote a wonderful book called therapeutic journal writing an introduction for professionals and she defines therapeutic journaling therapeutic journal writing implies the conscious intent and deliberate attempt to write in ways which will produce change healing and growth mm-hmm. it is reflective thinking about pondering exploring and reflexive integrating and using the awareness gained from reflecting which can help with greater understanding of the self and the world and the self in the world And so I think this is a really important understanding to have about the type of journaling that we're talking about here. I always think of it as, you know, so what, now what? I've had this awareness, but what am I going to do with that? How am I going to act? How is it going to inform my practice? How is it going to inform any part of my my living? Yes. 
So the, the, uh, you know, it's not, it's also not a place just to dump all the negative things that happen. You know, I work with lots of people who will have stories of how they journaled during difficult times, but as soon as it got better, they stopped, which really speaks to that human instinct. You know, when things are going on to get it out, get it down, have a look at it, you know, just that catharsis of getting it out, whether it's sitting with the counselor or by ourselves or writing yeah. it down. Um, and I always invite people, imagine what would it be like to have this as a companion practice through all the days of your life, through the different ebbs and flows and ups and downs? What what might your journal link capture and offer, you know, written at the best of times, you know? So just to get curious about how it can be used, when it can be used and what you'd like to get out of it. I think that's just an absolutely beautiful distinction to to make there about and it is kind of like a human nature thing about how we pay more attention or, you know, when things are painful or we're in that uh, space that's uncomfortable that we want to get out of. We're more, you know, sometimes more willing to do and then kind of, you know, not necessarily recognize, you know, the other beautiful um times in our lives that have opportunity for growth and awareness and really give us the opportunity to capture that joy that we're usually seeking when we're in a state of discomfort, right? And the wonderful thing about journaling and being open to doing it at all times is that it reflects back to us what the joyful moments are. If we only write the negative times and situations, if we reread our journals, one, we'll have a very... Uh, hopefully uh, it would be a very skewed uh, picture of the life, you know, our life being lived as it would only have those sort of darker, more challenging moments. But that the, there's something about to stick with it because after those dark times, at least in my own life and many clients I've worked with, the great learning comes as we integrate when we tap into our inner strength and our resilience, when we've actually got through the tough time, who am I now? What strength do I have as a result? How have I changed since I went through that? You know, sticking with the story because the triumph and the learning and the resilience isn't always happening while we're in the thick of it. It's happening when there's a bit of light that starts to come in. It's happening as we take those steps forward, as we heal, as we, you know, integrate what we've been through into who we are in our lives. So it's great to capture all of that because the love story doesn't end, you know, when (laughs) it's ongoing. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, so much of those, those qualities, the quality of, you know, discovering our resilience, um, discovering our place of hope, you know, discovering where compassion lies for us, all of those things, like discovering what that means for us in our lives and cultivating that. That's quite often the very qualities, um, you know, that we're, we're asking of people that we're working with, right? Or we're Absolutely. hoping to help them cultivate. So, I mean, it's really like walking the walk, you know, Absolutely. Um, that I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't think in my training, just like you said earlier, that that was ever fully made apparent. I am not sure that, you know, like you're actually going to be working with people, providing service to people, walking along with people during certain times in their life. And there's going to be, 
this, you know, we talked about things like the, the, uh, focus on, on capacity for hope and, and for change and for growth and healing and all that kind of stuff. But it was never really put out there that this is your own process too. Like that is a big part of your own, your own work. And the more that you're able to cultivate that in your own life, the more effective you're going to be with other people. And it just becomes the reciprocal nature of things again. And I just think to me, it is absolute key um, in addressing some of the challenges that we've talked about, the burnout and the, you know, post-traumatic stress and all of those kinds of things that come up. It, it feels like it's the key, this self-connection within the service provider, the helper, um, and this place of finding our own resilience and joy and fulfillment is the absolute key in in learning how to navigate around those challenges and to really elevate that quality of service again. Absolutely. I, I think of it as a unified whole. You know, if it was a <laughs> metaphor, for example, I think of, well, first of all, I don't think we can consciously serve unless we are prepared to consciously live. Yes. <laughs> and that is a big undertaking. Con- conscious living is a daily commitment. It's like a marriage we make to ourselves. I've been married for 12 years this time around. I did have a lovely first marriage that didn't last quite as long. And the, the, uh, you know, in a marriage, in a relationship with another human being that we commit to our children or, you know, spouses, we decide again and again to commit, to show yeah. up, to choose love. That, that conscious decision of, of commitment is done over time, repeatedly, and so is conscious living. We yeah. choose day by day to be awake, to notice, to grow. It's not just this thing you go off and, you know, do a 10-day meditation retreat, okay, now I'm consciously living. <laughs> well, no, what about the day after that and the day after that and the day after that? Consciously serving is is day by day by day and moment by moment, by moment. By moment. absolutely yeah. and really um and and being reflective is at the heart of conscious living and conscious serving consciousness by nature has to be observed in its in its evolution you know by ourselves and by others and the you know, we think of bearing witness as we witness our clients. We we must witness ourselves, and journaling is a tool for that witnessing process. And yeah. and I often yeah. think I often think of you know I'm big on metaphors, and I think of the soil that grows you know a beautiful strong you know tree that that soil how it's watered how. Uh, you know, fertilized and full of life it is will determine the growth of that, that tree and how its leaves take form and, you know, just the health of it. And I think of our own conscious living as that soil. It, it, what is the state of our soil? Is it, is it going to produce and grow beautiful things. And those beautiful things are all of those connections with our clients and the people's lives we get the privilege to be part of and touch and so forth. And equally, how they touch our lives. Yes. We, it, we, yes. If it is a helping relationship, it is reciprocal. We are giving something and we are receiving something. 
all at and the some, same time. All at the same time. And, and I that, think, you know, what you're saying that is exactly what's without that commitment to consciousness and ability to witness and observe that we miss it. Yes, we absolutely. Miss and we it. get more de- and we get more depleted by it. And yes. we get more martyrdom. Oh, look, you know, how, yeah. how much we're giving. We also how our systems uh, reflect back what's important. You know, over functioning is very revered and promoted in helping professions, people who work late, who don't take their breaks, who never mm-hmm. have lunch, who volunteer for things after hours. It perpetuates the overgiving cycle and it does not reward you know, when's the last time a uh, the child welfare social worker was acknowledged by their manager for, you know, wow, I really like how you go home on time and honor work-life balance. I really appreciate how you role model taking your lunch and taking the breaks you need to be healthy to do this work. Yeah. No, we, we, we shine the light on the overgiving, the overfunctioning, and then we perpetuate it versus shining a light. And I'm not saying in all cases. But I've worked with thousands of individuals and, you know, many, many organizations. And the conversations, um, you know, without that restorative piece, it is the equation that will lead to burnout. And Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And not just for individuals, but entire systems of yes. care. Uh, and you, you know, know what? And I think, too, like, I mean, it, it always, like, the whole, for me, I think of, you know, um, being in that state of personal power is being a huge piece of this. And, and what I mean by that is, is of course, just being in a place where I feel my own sense of being able to make choices or decisions in my life, affect change in my life. I feel like I am powerful within my being. And so sometimes I'll think in terms of that, you know, what if we just start acknowledging ourselves? Look, I was able to live today in the way that i intended. I was able to take care of myself today to respond to my own needs to, you know, to wait for a moment to before I made a decision or said yes, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Just little examples there, where we acknowledge it within our own being. And then it starts to create like you were talking about a ripple effect where we start to see it, you know, from other people, and we start to see it around us as well. Um, And it's a wonderful for journaling is to collect the evidence of self-connection to collect the evidence you know how was I in my personal power today what choices did I make what choices felt aligned and good with my values and what matters most to me at this time in my life and work how did I what moments did I feel connected and mindful of myself and my own needs that might have included oh my body feels hungry and I noticed so I fed it or my body felt thirsty and I took time to drink a glass of water or you know I needed to connect with a colleague to debrief so I gave 10 minutes to that to fill my own cup and to literally at the end of the day many people have gratitude journaling practices what you know, what they're thankful for and what we focus on grows. And we can also turn our attention to cultivating self-connection by, by making visible and, and literally writing down, taking note of, literally, <laughs> um, yeah. the moments of self-connection that are, are woven throughout our days or perhaps are missing. And hence it brings it into our awareness and we can slowly make different choices. 
Absolutely. It's gathering the evidence and so powerful. You know, in our last few minutes here, Linda, I wanted to give you an opportunity um, and to let our listeners know where they can find you and give you an opportunity to talk about anything that's coming up that you're really excited about. Sure. Well, you can find me at my website, which is creativewellnessworks.com. And I actually have a free gift on my website. It is a writing for wellness kit, and it includes uh, the benef- 10 healing benefits of writing, all kinds of inspirational quotes, many journaling prompts in the various healing categories. And it also includes a mini Celebrate You journaling retreat where you can take this guided meditation that's offered to you and a whole a little mini journaling retreat is highlighted and you can just block off an hour of your time and or more and fill your own cup through writing and guided meditation well that sounds beautiful so that's on the you can find it on the website it's on the top right hand side uh, or you can go to creativewellnessworks.com forward slash free hyphen gift and you'll find it Perfect. And I know people can follow you on Twitter at Life Writer Coach and yeah. find you on LinkedIn as well and as well on Facebook at Creative Wellness with Linda Monk. And so I really encourage listeners to to connect with Linda in those forums and to uh, explore some of the offerings there. Do you have some uh, workshops or, or online programs coming up, Linda? I do. I have a transformational writing for wellness salon and it's done online. I do a group program that's six weeks where people learn six distinct different writing techniques and get all kinds of feedback and support and inspiration. And that program's also, as of this year now, being offered as a self-guided program where people can sign up every time and work at their own pace through it uh, if the group is a bit more you know, than they want to do. Right. So uh, there's that program. I also offer a Renew You virtual writing retreat, which is a three-hour uh, online event. We go on and off the phone and write and connect. It's a lot of fun, and I think the next one's in April. Uh, but there's there's lots of lots of those things. The salon is uh, a wonderful way to connect and has both of those options. And many helping professionals have experienced it, and uh, it's great way to connect with other people who are committed to consciously serving as well yes that's they sound amazing programs and i would imagine that everybody can find that again at creativewellnessworks.com mm-hmm. so again i encourage everyone to check out linda's work and i want to thank you linda for being here today and for sharing such a wealth of information and wisdom around um around journaling and creative writing for wellness and for for self-connection and for conscious living and conscious serving. You're welcome. Thank you for having this program, Elizabeth, and for all the ways just right now. I know an hour ago we were strangers except for our email connection and just being together having this conversation is a conscious connection. So thank you for that and thank you to anyone who's listening for your work in the world and for being a person who makes a difference it's a worthy life enhancing path to consciously serve the greater good and we best do that when we honor what's good for ourselves as well absolutely so well said so on that note thank you everyone for joining us here today and for listening in remember you can find out more about conscious service at elizabethbishopconsulting.com and and uh, connect with me on facebook 
and as well on Twitter at Ask Elizabeth B. I'm so thrilled that you were here with us today, and thank you for listening. This is Serving Consciously, and this is Elizabeth Bishop, and today we were talking with Linda Monk. Thank you again, and everyone enjoy a beautiful weekend. You've been listening to Serving Consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fine hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine and More. Cheers! Getting tired of your lunch options? Change it up with Little Caesars Hot and Ready Lunch Combo. Wowee, the winds of change. Get four slices of pepperoni deep, deep dish pizza, plus a 20-ounce drink, now for only four bucks. Goodbye. Where are you going? Little Caesars, obviously. Get the Little Caesars Lunch Combo, now just four bucks, hot and ready, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays. Available at participating locations for a limited time, plus tax.